Welcome to the Outlaw Radio Show. My name is Zach Adams, and I pastor a church outside of Athens, Georgia. The name of the church is Calvary 316. I am the husband of one, Miss Jessica Adams, the proud papa of three, Quincy, Theodore, and Mabel. And I am so excited uh, to be with you this evening. In case you're new to the Outlaw Radio Show, uh, first and foremost, this show is unscripted. Uh, I have no idea uh, what we'll be talking about tonight, but I've got a I guess I got a good hankering as to the subject matter. Uh, the show is also designed to be interactive. Um, yes, every episode of the Outlaw Radio Show is podcasted, so it gets recorded, edited, produced, and podcasted, released on our podcast, which is available on Apple, Google, Spotify, really whatever podcasting platforms you prefer or use. Um, but we live stream the recording uh, of the show, and that allows us to interact uh, with the audience, uh, which is very exciting. You can find us on YouTube, our YouTube channel, uh, outlawradio.live, or you can also find us on our Facebook page, streaming to our Facebook page, facebook.com slash the radio outlaw. Uh, so the show's designed to be interactive uh, throughout the episode. You can go to the comment section on both of the threads, uh, both of the feeds, and you can leave uh, comments. Uh, we have someone monitoring that. I'll introduce him in just a second, and uh, we'll put your comments, questions, feedback uh, on the show, which is exciting. So the show is unscripted, it's interactive, and it's a conversation. Uh, with that being said, I'm joined in studio, as always, by my uh, partner in crime, the man that really needs no introduction, uh, Creighton Vaughn, a.k.a. Dick Dastardly. <laughs> Hola! <laughs> Hello, everyone. It is great to be back. Uh, speaking of being back, we've actually got our first comment of the year. Of the year. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Uh, it's from Jennifer. She says that she's happy to see you back, and I guess all of us, but mostly you. We'll get to um, that. We'll get to that in a second, Jennifer. It's great right. to be back for sure. Also joined uh, in studio is the uh, the three amigos. We've got Woo! Mr. Nicholas Monty, Dill That's Daddy me. Derek, Woo! and I guess we've settled on Spice Daddy. <laughs> spice Daddy. I, spice Daddy. I think it's appropriate. You think it's appropriate? Yeah, I love spicy stuff. <laughs> so uh, the the three amigos are joining me in studio. And, uh, and they have the freedom to ask questions, to interject their thoughts. And, uh, and again, uh, unscripted, interactive, but it's also a conversation of really a group of uh, friends, misfits, brothers, uh, Christ followers, uh, which is exciting. Uh, Creighton, I'm just going to dive right in by asking you, <laughs> uh, what do you want to talk about today? <laughs> well, um, given that it is... Uh, the fact that I'm 50 Mark, pounds it, lighter, April? right? I'm 50 pounds yeah. lighter. Yeah, you're very skinny. It's now April. The last time that we had a show was in December. December 15th, what to be in exact. What in the world happened What to in the us? world happened? Where did we go? So let's uh, <laughs> let's address the elephant in the room. Um, and that is the fact that, yes, I, I had a New Year's resolution uh, to lose some <laughs> weight. And, uh, and I decided to lose 50 pounds by March. I call it the death diet. I would highly... Uh, not recommend it. Um, <laughs> not exactly the funnest thing. So let me kind of, again, address uh, where we've been, what the heck happened. Uh, why is it here the end of April? Uh, and this is our first episode of 2022. Not exactly, uh, Creighton, the way that I would have drawn up 2022 <laughs> by any stretch of the imagination. No, our two-week break has gone for a very long time. <laughs> uh, yeah, much longer than anyone uh, anyone had anticipated. And so again, if you're watching or you're listening, thank you so much for uh, your patience and not completely bailing on us. Um, so what happened? Uh, well, <clears throat> I'm going to go all the way back to the beginning. And if this gets kind of laborious or fellas, if you have any questions of anything, uh, as I kind of tell the story of, of what's gone on, uh, interject at any, at any point. Um, so December 16th, um, the 15th, which was the Wednesday, was the last kind of our Christmas episode of the Outlaw Radio Show. Uh, I taught at Calvary 316 that Sunday, the 19th. Um, and, and matter of fact, I finished uh, teaching through the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, been doing a series through uh, the Gospel of Matthew titled King Jesus. Uh, so I finished the Sermon on the Mount. Um, and then right after church, uh, Jessica, the kids, and I uh, picked up my mom and dad. We drove to Kentucky. Uh, met the rest of my family, uh, my brothers and my sister, my great grand, my, my grandmother actually flew in from Oregon. We went to the Ark exhibit. So we did the Creation uh, Museum, which was incredible. 
And then we went, took all the, the kids to the Ark Encounter, um, which was also amazing. Kind of rented out a whole floor of a, uh, of a hotel. Had a great family trip, Christmas trip. Well, we left Sunday. We drove back Wednesday. Um, Thursday, which was the 23rd of December, um, I immediately went into the office to get ready for Christmas Eve. Um, while I was working, while I was prepping for my Bible study, about middle of the day, I got cold. Um, again, it was cold outside. I didn't really think much of it. Made myself a, a cup of tea. Just couldn't shake the cold, though. Just couldn't warm up. Went in, took a shower. That didn't help. Um, was going to meet Jess and the kids for dinner that night. Uh, I called Jess and said, Honey, I'm coming down with something. I don't feel 100%. I feel off. Um, so I'm just going to I'm gonna skip out on dinner. Uh, I'm going to bundle up. I'm going to crawl into bed. I'm going to sleep this off. Uh, so I'm good. I'm good for Christmas Eve. Well, I woke up Christmas Eve, which was Friday, running a fever. And because of our, our protocols uh, at the church, um, I, uh, I called the guys and said, fellas, I'm running a fever. Um, I can't be at church tonight. You guys are going to have to kind of man the ship without me, uh, which they did. And um, later that day, I was actually feeling much better. Um, but at the same time, because I had a fever, it was prudent to stay home. Woke up Christmas morning. Felt terrible. Felt absolutely terrible. Took all the strength within me to just do Christmas with the kids. Um, as soon as they were done opening the gifts, uh, I went back to bed. Um, was kind of up and down for the next couple days. Tuesday rolled around. Was not feeling good. Finally, I need to go to the doctor. Um, I'm not a doctor person. I don't have anything against doctors. Um, it's not some like uh, moral position. Um, I just don't like going to the doctor and really for the first 38 years of my life, I've not really had much of a reason to go uh, to the doctor. Don't have any uh, blood pressure or uh, underlying medical conditions, relatively very healthy. Um, no issues, no reason to go to the doctor, never been hospitalized. Um, but I was feeling so bad, so rotten. And then with COVID going around, it was like, okay, I need to go to the doctor. I actually went to the emergency room. I don't know if, if, if you knew this, Creighton, but I went to the emergency room and told Jessica to go in and see if, uh, <clears throat> if I could just go there because I didn't have a doctor. So it's like, let's just go to the ER. So she went in, came back out, and was like, you have to go in. They're not going to let me, me do it for you. And uh, I've got like a wife beater on, pajama pants, my slippers with a blanket over my shoulders. <laughs> and I go waddling into the ER. You looked I, a perfect picture. Oh, man. I, I looked around. And it was like, I looked at the guy, looked around, looked at the guy behind the counter. I said, uh, this is not going to be quick, is it? He goes, no, there's a long <laughs> line. So, you know, forget that. So, mm -hmm. so I left. We went to a doctor, a local practitioner. They gave me a COVID test. Sure enough, um, I tested positive for, for COVID. In fact, the nurse said, uh, yeah, you lit that thing up. Um, <laughs> so uh, I didn't have a little bit of COVID. I had a lot of COVID. Uh, the doctor came in, listened to my lungs with his stethoscope, said, listen, you'll be fine. Your lungs are clear. You'll be fine by the weekend. Again, this was a Tuesday. Great. So I went home, crawled back in bed, you know, was kicking back every type of over-the-counter, anything I could get my hands on, Mucinex, cold medicine, Benadryl, you know, just anything, anything I could take to try to sleep, feel better. Um, kept getting worse, though. Um Told me I'd be fine by the weekend. So Friday rolls around, and uh, I decide to go back to the doctor. I said, Doc, I am not feeling better. It's Friday. Um, what's the deal? Again, he took his stethoscope, listened to my lungs, said, you're clear. Uh, sorry, you're, you're going through this. You'll be fine. Um, just give it a couple more days. No big deal. Um, again, didn't check my oxygen levels. Uh, didn't prescribe me anything. Uh, just, you know, you'll be good. Uh, Omicron at the time was, um, I think everybody I knew ended up with COVID uh, over the Christmas holidays. Uh, so, you know, I didn't know any better. Let me put it that way. Other than the fact that I didn't feel good. Well, <clears throat> Saturday, Sunday, Monday, again, kind of went up and down. Uh, there were times where I was feeling so much better. And then there were times that I was just out cold. Jessica at the time, my wife. Uh, also at COVID, she was curled up on the couch. Um, I didn't know this till after the fact, but at some point my parents came by and picked up uh, the kids, uh, took them to their house. 
Anyway, fast forward to Tuesday night. This is January 4th. Uh, That night, I rolled out of bed. Jessica helped me to the restroom. And as I'm sitting there, I look down and my fingers and my toes are blue. And I'm not a medical expert. Uh, I don't play one on television. Um, (laughs) But I know that blue fingers and blue toes aren't normal. Uh, At least on my body, they're not. I'm not a Smurf. And um, it freaked me out. So I hollered to Jessica. I said, you need to call uh, 911. Um, I didn't think she could drive me. I couldn't drive at the time. I, I didn't believe she could drive me to the ER. So it was like, call 911. Um, paramedics showed up. Uh, they come in. I'm still in, in the bathroom sitting on the toilet. Um, they say, Mr. Adams, you need help getting, getting out. I stood up, pulled up my, my, my shorts. Uh, they led me out. They had the, uh, um, uh, the cart. The stretcher was in my living room. They helped me onto it, kind of strapped me down. Um, they wheel me out of the house. Um, as I'm making my way uh, down the sidewalk to the ambulance, I see Nick, uh, who's here, and his wife, Carrie, come running up uh, to watch my daughter. Uh, my dad uh, was on the way. Um, as soon as they put me in the ambulance, and again, I had no concept um, of what was going on, why my fingers and toes would be blue. Um, n- no clue. Um, in fact, they were, they were the, the paramedics were pretty calm. I, I wouldn't say nonchalant. They were direct, but they were calm until the moment they put me in the back of the ambulance and those doors closed. So I was out of eyesight or the, the, the field of vision of my wife and family. And then they went to town. Um, they, they cut my shirt off which I found out later was in case they had to defib me. Um, uh, they were prepared for that. <clears throat> my oxygen level for context was 42. Now, again, I learned after the fact uh, that if your oxygen level, if you have COVID, if your oxygen level dips below 90, you need to immediately go to the emergency room. Mine was at 42. Um, they're not even quite sure how I was conscious by that point. Mm. Um, they put this mask on my face. I start fighting it because I'm frantic. Uh, I think the mask is suffocating me, not realizing I'm suffocating from the inside out. I'm freaking out. This big guy with full arm sleeve tats gets on top of me. It's holding this mask, mask down. And he looks at me in the eyes, and, and, and I'll clean up the language a little. But he looks, looks at me and he says, you're not going to die on me tonight. And it was at that moment for the first time, I was like, oh, no, uh, <laughs> this is not good. Um, blue fingers and toes were an indicator uh, that I am not in a good situation here. Um, I remember every detail. I remember the drive. I remember, you know, coming back out of the ambulance. Then, you know, just like a scene out of, you know, a, a movie or a good ER drama, the doors fly open. There's a team waiting for me. Um, they all, they're going to town. I remember everything about the first night, um, in the emergency room. Um, I remember, uh, seeing Jessica. I remember seeing my dad. I remember at one point my dad giving me a thumbs up, uh, from the, the, the little window and the door. Um, I remember all of it the first night into January 5th. And then everything goes dark and, I don't have any memories of anything that happened next until the end of February. Um, The first date that I remember is March 4th. Um, There is a period of time um, through the majority of January into uh, February that I completely lost. Uh, I have no recollections of, no memories of. Um, I, I went dark in an emergency room in Walton County. And I woke, um, at a hospital in an ICU in downtown Atlanta. Um, I made it, I made quite a journey, uh, <laughs> while I was sleeping. Um, I was in a coma. I'll get to those details, but I woke up with no idea what had happened to me other than the brutal reality that something terrible had happened to me. 
because when I woke up, um, I had a trach, so I had a hole in my neck. I had a tube sticking out of it. I was on a ventilator. Um, I had tubes all over the place, feeding tubes, chest tubes, um, catheters. Um, I couldn't move my arms. Uh, my legs were incredibly weak. Um, again, I went to sleep in an ER and woke up in a really bad place and had no idea what happened. And so really over the course of um, the last week or two of February into March, uh, my wife, my mother, my father had to explain to me um, that COVID had gotten real bad. Um, they explained to me that um, I had to be transferred from uh, Piedmont Walton uh, because they were just not equipped. They didn't have the facilities or the expertise to handle uh, a situation like mine. Um, I had full lung failure. My lungs um, looked like a spider web. Um, I was vented, full ventilator, 100% oxygen. My lungs were still struggling to breathe. Um, they would give me a medicine for this, would have a reaction to that, which would require another medicine for this, which would have another reaction to that. Um, my full <laughs> uh, medical bill um, after the fact is $385,000 just for medicine. Um, they put me into a, a, a medically induced coma. Uh, my kidneys completely failed. I, I required dialysis. Uh, they didn't know if I'd ever have kidney function, if I need a kidney transplant, didn't know if I need a lung transplant. Um, they had to do a, a, a brain scan to see if I was even still there at one point. Um, I needed a blood transfusion. Um, if, it, if it could go wrong, <clears throat> it went wrong. Um, I had um, an extreme case of COVID-19, uh, pneumonia, the COVID lung, and um, it was bad enough and things um, became desperate enough um, that at one point towards the end of January, um, the doctor told my wife um, that they needed to go ahead and start making arrangements um, because I was going to die. Uh, they didn't give me uh, much hope, if any, that I was going to pull through at that point. Um, now, I, I, let me say this. Um, because I don't want to be accused of being ungrateful. Um, <clears throat> the doctors, the nurses um, at both hospitals um, are good people and did their, did their best. And the truth is that the vast, overwhelming majority of COVID patients in my condition um, die. Um, that is the reality. Um, as a 38-year-old with no underlying conditions... Uh, I am an outlier in the sense that uh, COVID doesn't affect people uh, in my demo um, like they do in a, the, a demographic of, of the elderly. Um, so I lost that lotto to start with. Uh, the lotto that I did win is the fact that um, I, I am one of the very few um, that survived. I, I would have doctors and nurses come in. I would thank them and they would repeatedly say, um, and these are even just secular professionals, that I'm a miracle. Um, they all did their best, and the, they tried different things. Some of them worked. Some of them didn't. Um, you know, I, I ended up with nerve damage in my arms because my arms fell out of joint while I was in a coma. It, it's hard to blame doctors or nurses when uh, my kidneys are failing and they're, they're scrambling to just keep me alive. You know, like, you know, so what if his arms are good if he's dead? Um, so I'm incredibly grateful to the men and women um, at both Piedmont hospitals for um, what they've done for me and how they've, uh, how they, they, they worked hard. Um, in the end, um, the reason I'm alive is because of God. And, and there's no other explanation. Uh, there's no medical explanation. Again, uh, even with all the best attempts of the doctors, uh, they had reached the conclusion that there wasn't really much more that they were going to be able to do and that I was, I was going to die. And that's a tough thing for a physician uh, to admit, uh, to have to articulate to a family uh, what, my, what my family went through. Um, and again, I slept through it all. What my friends and family went through um, is, is crazy. And I can't even begin to articulate um, what they all went through. I know some of you might be able to articulate what you guys felt. Um, but God decided 
that it wasn't my time to die. And he chose life to give me life. Uh, well, I would have had life either way. Whether I had died or not, I would have very much still been alive. Um, but the Lord decided that I, I needed more time with Jessica, and I needed more time with my kids, and, and that he wasn't through with my life. Um, I, again, was on a full ventilator, um, tube out of my neck, trach. Um, the first date I remember is March 4th. Um, again, I wake up, all these tubes out of me, uh, very little strength, and, um, and yet the recovery process started. Uh, there was a point in which uh, my dad asked the doctor, you know, well, what, what needs to happen um, for Zach to make it, for, you, for your pr- pronostication, you know, to change, your position to change? And the doctor said, we need Zach to wake up from a coma, uh, but we don't, <clears throat> we're, not, we're not sure, we don't believe that's going to happen, but that's what needs to happen. Well, my brother, Matt, drove up from Augusta. My sister came in from Columbus. They let them both in the hospital, in, in my ICU room, ICU room, which was against all protocol. But they did so because they were going to say goodbye. And, um, in fact, my brother, Nick, had flown down from New Jersey, him and my sister-in-law, Dana. Uh, they had visited me. My brother told me after the fact that when they flew home, he thought he had said goodbye to his big brother, um, that he'd never see me again. And <clears throat> that's such a heavy thing to think about, um, to imagine, but my brother and sister are in the room, and it was Theodore's birthday. Funny, I, I got sick on Christmas Eve, which is Quincy's birthday. And um, on Theodore's birthday, February 3rd, um, I opened my eyes and uh, freaked everyone out because I wasn't supposed to. And, um, and thus, a road of recovery began. Again, I don't remember the first couple weeks after opening my eyes. It wasn't until the end of the month that I started uh, making connections. Spent a whole day with my brother. Don't remember it at all. Um, he gave me a shave. Don't remember it at all. I think he was a little offended by that. But I didn't remember him spending the day with me. He was like, bro, we watched like three movies. I gave you a shave. You enjoyed it. We talked. Uh, yeah, sorry, Nick. <laughs> I don't remember it. Uh, they took me outside. Don't remember it. Um, waking up from a coma is a very weird thing. You know, the way the movies depicted is you open your eyes and boom, you're there. Maybe that works. And that's the way it is for some people. Uh, for me, it was more of a fog kind of exiting a fog. <clears throat> I'm still kind of picking up a few memories here or there. Um, started the road to recovery. Uh, I was discharged <clears throat> from the ICU on daylight savings, March 12th. Um, did not think I was going home that day. Um, they had moved me from the ICU to the floor, um, which is kind of where you are as they prepare you to go home. Uh, the doctor came and visited me like 10 hours into being on the floor, said, you want to go home? I said, absolutely, doc. And um, said, well, what are you doing for rehab? And I said, well, we've got in-home care coming. Um, I said, I know going to a facility would probably be the smartest thing, but I really need to be home. I need to be with my kids, be with my wife. And uh, so Jessica came and I loaded up in the van and uh, she said, you have a theme song. I said, I have a theme song, really? And uh, let me hear it. So she pressed play, and it was that Amy Winehouse song. They tried to make you go to rehab. Staying alive. Oh, Staying no, alive. That's no, the not DJ. the right song. <laughs> From that Amy Winehouse. No, but it was Amy Winehouse. It was the, uh, they tried to make you go to rehab. I said, I said no, no, no. Which Amy Winehouse no. really should have gone to rehab. I should Yeah, I should she might say. still be here. Yeah. She, yeah. Um, but anyway, so uh, came home. Derek and, and Nick helped me basically picked me up out of the van, put me in a wheelchair. Um, I was wheelchair bound for two weeks. And then I started working my way around the house in a walker and I've had PT and OT and, and, uh, I ended up my first Sunday teaching was Easter Sunday and, uh, I'm still weak. I'm wearing a hat because I've lost most of my hair. <laughs> and, uh, when we did a camera check, I thought I looked absolutely terrible. And so I went inside and got a hat. Um, so if there's shadows across my face, um, or my mom complains that I'm wearing a hat. Sorry. <laughs> um, I think I look better at the moment uh, without my scraggly hair. But God has been good. Uh, God has been good to me. It's been amazing to see all the different ways that he's already used a terrible situation. Um, and so, again, the reason why uh, here it is, April 27th, and this is the first episode um, of the Outlaw Radio Show, um, is really 
um, until this past week, um, I couldn't physically uh, walk into the studio and sit here, um, like even moving the mic. I can't, like my arms are all jello. Um, but here we are, and we're back. And uh, God is good. Um, my situation has been very difficult, um, but I'm alive. And and I should say this was kind of the, the, the core emphasis of my Easter message is that if you're alive, not just physically, but spiritually, if Jesus has made you alive, there's a reason. And if you're alive here on earth, there's a reason. Jesus holds life and death in his hands. And uh, Lazarus, he allowed Lazarus to lay in a tomb for four days to prove that point, that he controls life and death, that he holds our destiny in his hands. And for me, the Lord decided that I needed more time here, that he still had a plan and a purpose for me. Um, that was the same reality as it was middle of December. God's plan for me has not changed, but I did go through a storm to be reminded that he does have a plan and, uh, and to appreciate, um, oh, so much. So I just want you to know that if, if you're listening, if you're watching, um, and you're going through something, maybe it's COVID, maybe it's a different illness, and maybe your, 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 your outlook is bleak and there's no rational um, explanation or reason um, the outlook looks pretty sure God is in control. And for my wife, and I can speak for her in, in this regard, um, every time that she would get bad news and they would say this, that, or the other about what the medicine said, what the science said, she said, that's true, but God. There is a God. And he holds all things in his hands. And if it's my time to go, it's my time to go. If it's not, it doesn't matter what the doctors say because he's in control. And, uh, and I'm a walking testimony of that. And, um, and I'm, I'm very thankful to be alive. I'm thank you, thankful for those that, that listen. And, I, and, I, and I'm excited about this next season of the Outlaw Radio Show. Now, with, with all that being said, I, I do want to just pause for a minute and, uh, and kind of turn to you fellas um, because, again, you, you guys are some of my best friends. And um, aside from us all being part of the same church community, um, you know, I know that uh, that you guys love me and you love my wife, you love my family. Um, you have any questions or anything that you guys want to kind of kind of throw in here to maybe direct the conversation a different direction? Mm. Let me kick it to you guys. More of a. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah. Yeah. You want to go? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. Yeah. Either, either way, it, more of a, just a perspective because listening to you talk about the dates and what you do and don't remember is just crazy because being here on the outside, like I remember basically every day, like with our wives being the direct right. Right. follow up for your updates for everything else. It was like daily, all day, multiple times through the day hearing updates. So it's like, it just seems like so much like when you talk about, oh, your eyes opening. I remember that same exact day because yeah. we were, you know, celebrating, celebrating and talking yeah. about that. And, you know, and, but all the hardships through the month, like it just felt such a long month. I remember the day that you opened your eyes because I thought about um, Noah's Ark. 40 days, 40 nights. Jesus was in the <laughs> desert 40 days. And I was like, this is basically 40 days. Is this it? Is, like, is this good? And um, no, just the perspective on that listening to I'm glad you it wasn't talk, 40 years. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, sure. Like, no, but hearing, uh, it, it's just interesting to hear what you do and don't remember versus like, no, we were here the whole time. We remember every single update for those like specific days, being able to like going through the dialysis and doing all that. It's just, it's, it's crazy to hear. Well, I think that's one of the, um, that's been one of the, the unique challenges uh, to the whole situation is, you know, it's impossible. It's impossible for me to articulate what I went through and, and how I feel about it. Um, and again, if you haven't been through a situation like it, um, you might be able to understand kind of from an intellectual standpoint, but it's, it's just impossible to know, um, what I've been through, mm -hmm. um, unless you've been there. And, and matter of fact, um, there's a lady, her name's Anne, 
um, who goes to my father's church. And um, Jessica and I and the kids went uh, to Calvary Chapel, Stone Mountain for Good Friday. And uh, I needed to say hello to some people. Uh, that church prayed for me diligently and have supported me and supported my parents through through this whole this whole nightmare. <clears throat> but um, I saw Ann walk in. And Ann, uh, in the fall of last year, had gotten COVID. And um, our, our situations are a little different. Uh, the similarity is that they had not given her much of a chance to survive mm. uh, either. And, um, you know, she had that trach and she, you know, had the atrophy and coma and, you know, she, she went through it and she's, you know, struggled with the rehab and getting home and, um, and, but I saw her and uh, immediately got out of my wheelchair and uh, hobbled over and just embraced her, you know, gimp arm and all. I threw my arm around her and, and, and just without even saying a word cried. She cried, I cried, um, because she, there's very few people that know, and I don't have to say a word for her to know. She knows, and that's a unique thing. Um, in fact, it, it was funny because I looked at her after we kind of got done sniffling, and I said, uh, pretty cool trach, trach scar. <laughs> and, uh, and she looked at me, she goes, yours is pretty cool too. And it's like, but that's such a unique thing. Like, how many, how many people, you know, can you be making trach scar jokes about, yeah, you know? true. Um, on the flip side to it, and again, this has kind of been the challenge for me, um, is that I have no idea this full scope of what like you guys went through, but bringing it home even closer, like like I have no no idea what my wife went through. Yeah, um, I have no idea what my mom and dad went through or what my siblings went through. I, I understand it intellectually. You know, they were told that I was going to die. And then they had to grapple with all of that. Um, you know, every day, you know, my, my wife, you know, lived with the understanding that she could at any moment get a phone call that I had, I had passed. Um, same with my mom, same with my dad. Every day they came and visited me, my sister. You know, to see the person that you love in such a situation, to be sitting there not be able to do anything. I mean, I, I can't, I can understand in an intellectual standpoint, man, that had to have been terrible, but I didn't live that. Like, I don't, I, I don't have the capacity to fully identify with that in much the same way that it's, it's hard for people to identify with what I went through. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is, um, a lot of empathy, but, but there is, I think just the understanding of like, um, a lot of listening, you know? Um, my dad, um, and I don't want to get too far into this, but, um, he chronicled kind of everything and then collected pictures and I got pictures from my brother and my sister and from Jessica and and he created this whole keynote, um, documenting my journey. Um, and he, he wants me to see the thing so that I'll have a better understanding of, of what happened to me. Um, there's a huge part of me that doesn't want to know. Like there is something Mm -hmm. merciful about the fact that, um, yeah, I woke up and had to have some questions answered as to, you know, why do I have a tube sticking out of my neck? Why can't I not talk? Uh, when you have a trach, you can't talk. And I'm a talker. It's what I do for (laughs) a living. (laughs) Yeah. I'm a talker. Um, which at some point remind me about, about that. Cause I, I, I do have a few things to share about talking. Um, but it's like, you know, I slept through it um, to, to see pictures of myself in terrible condition. Um, I, I don't, I don't want to see the big needle sticking out of my neck for, for a transfusion or the dialysis. You know, I don't want to see Zach when he swelled up like a balloon and they were worried his, his stomach was going to pop or his hands were like the Michelin man. Mm-hmm. Um <laughs> Or when I had a, I broke out with a, had a reaction, they think, to something. And I had this terrible rash um, all over my body. And um, my wife said that, that seeing that, she was actually glad I was in a coma because it looked just incredibly painful. I don't, I don't remember any of it. I don't remember the pain of it. Um, you know, memories of the things that I did go through are enough. The things that I didn't. Um, and again, I'll never fully understand what other people went through. Um, cause I, I haven't been through that 
and I'm going to be honest with you guys. I hope I never go through that with y'all. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't want to do that. Um, so perspective, it, it is, it's weird. Um, <laughs> I went to sleep one day, woke up two and a half months later for all points and purposes. Um, and even as of right now, um, Jess and I were talking about it last night. Um, I've spent, I've spent more of 2022 in an ICU bed than I have at home. Mm-hmm. And, um, I can't wait for that to change. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm still trying to figure things out. Mm-hmm. Um, there's not a day that goes by that. I don't look in the mirror and, and think to myself, what happened? How did I get here? Um, so, um, you know, perspective is, it's, uh, that is a challenge. Um, any, any questions, Justin, I know coming in here, you, you were like, I've got a bunch. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> other than just the funny ones, like what was heaven? Like what was heaven? Like writing the book <laughs> kind of thing. Well, that's funny because, uh, you know, there was the kid that did the, what the 90 seconds yeah. in heaven. I've joked, I've joked that I was going to write the book two and a half months in heaven. Um, <laughs> I did not go to heaven, but if I did write the book, chapter one, your dog is not there. <laughs> um, chapter two, Peter's a jerk. Um, I, you know, I thought that would be funny, but no, I, I will say in a coma, I had the gnarliest, most vivid dreams. Um, mm. Things that when I woke up, I can remember all the details of all the dreams, but no, I did not. I did not see a bright light. Um, I did not go to heaven. Um, I did not go to hell, which was, um, a very encouraging thing yeah. <laughs> as well. Yeah. Uh, I, I didn't go to Hades, uh, purgatory. Um, I just took a really long nap and, uh, and I'm thankful I woke up, woke up from it, but any serious questions? Yeah. Any- uh, so on Easter Sunday is one of your best sermons. If you, if anybody out there hasn't listened to it, you should definitely go back. Creighton, where can I, you find, was- where can you find it? C316.tv, uh, as well as on Calvary316.tv, as well as on uh, Facebook.com slash Calvary316. Like, Sweet. we have it everywhere. So there's <laughs> there's several places. Or you can just uh, ask for the sermon video on this thread, and maybe we'll you know, we'll, we'll add a link or something. It was super encouraging. And, and, and uh, one thing you touched on, though, is, is one of the – you said – I think you said one of the first questions you had was – is the church still there? Right. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> yeah. and looking back on it yeah, we, you know, two months or more, we were without a pastor more or less, but like people stepped up and, and we didn't fail. We grew, I think. Yeah. And, and, and he, you touched on, he's like, what a good indication of what God's doing and not what. Amen. Let me speak to that real quick. I, I'm so glad you brought that up. Again, don't let me forget about the voice thing, oh, one of you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, I got a question. So, uh, you know, I made this comment. Um, really didn't have anything to do with the Easter message, but I said it before I got into the text, is that, you know, I really believe that the easiest way to, to differentiate um, or to tell whether a ministry or a church is a work of a man or a work of God, the, the easiest way is just remove the man and see what happens. And then I can give example after example of, of that happening and the ministry folding down uh, pretty quickly. Um, what's so encouraging is that I'm, I was the, and am still uh, <laughs> the only employee at Calvary 316. Uh, I am the only paid employee, full-time employee. And God has blessed us with a wonderful army of volunteers, uh, some wonderful men and women that serve the Lord faithfully every week. But, you know, as far as the the planning and the organization, and uh, that's what I'm paid to do. And, and I was not, things happened so fast um, that I didn't have any opportunity to make any arrangements. You know, it wasn't, wasn't as though that it was like, well, Hey guys, next week I'm going in for surgery. <laughs> uh, let me make some plans. Um, you know, you know, get some people lined up to speak. He was leading worship, etc. Um, it was just one day, you know, there I was, and the next day, oh no, uh, what do we do? And um, and I did when I woke up and finally kind of got cognitive. I called one of our elders, uh, a man named Larry, and I was like, "Hey, Larry, <clears throat> is the church still there?" <laughs> and uh, and he was like, "No, we're we're here. Uh, we're excited for you to come back." 
but God is blessed and, and we're, we're doing well. Um, and, and even, and even coming back, the church has been so gracious to give me time to focus on getting stronger and, and healthier. Um, but so many people in the church just stepped up and took on roles. And I was actually talking to Larry yesterday about, um, you know, there are storms of, of correction, you know, where a, a church community goes through a real hardship and, and it's sometimes to, you know, you know, the fire gets heated up so that the dross can, can be removed or, you know, the, the, the tree gets pruned and, and that hurts. You know, there are times where, you know, you kind of take a step back to take the steps forward. Um, this was a storm, not of correction, but one of stretching for, for growth. And, uh, you know, the Lord took me out, removed me from it. And, and I think our church has, has, is coming out the other side of it all um, so much healthier and so much uh, stronger and, and just a wonderful place. And, um, and that's a testimony. You know, the pastor, you made the comment, I, I, I do have to correct you a little bit. You were never without a pastor. The same, same pastor was still in charge because uh, it was never been me. And that's Jesus. Jesus pastors our church, and we kind of all take our marching orders. I, I will add, um, and again, this is just for those that might be watching or listening. If you don't have a church community, um, uh, I pray that you don't go through a storm uh, like I did. One of the things that um, was such a saving grace and a, and a blessing was that God, uh, not just do I have a wonderful family um, that was there for me every step along the way, but I have an incredible church family. Uh, that has been there for me and for my wife, for my kids. And if you don't have that, I'm telling you, you're missing something um, very valuable. And um, and if you go through a storm, you need it. Um, you know, you guys as wives, you know, Carrie and Kelly, I got to give them a shout out. You know, I mean, they, they basically moved into my house to help my wife take care of my kids. And, you know, Jess and the boys spent, you know, a couple of weeks living with my parents, but when they got back here, um, you know, they were all up in her business mm-hmm. and uh, wouldn't let her be alone and was there to take the kids to school if need be, or the ballpark if need be uh, just powerful, just real radical. So um, it is neat, Justin, to be part of something that you can kind of take a step back and say, yeah, not about Zach. He mm-hmm. dis- he took a four month vacation and, <laughs> uh, and, and we're doing okay. So um, for sure. It's always cool when you can just be like, look what God did. Look what God mm-hmm. did. For yeah. sure. For sure. But God, to see a miracle. How, how often do you get to see a miracle? You know? Oh, uh, yeah. That's for sure. Once this lifetime so far. Let's, so yeah. let's, keep, it, let's yeah. keep it one. <laughs> yeah, let's yeah. keep it. Well, yeah. yeah. Nick, how about you? I, you know, you're one of my best friends in this whole world. And um, how, what is the Lord? How's the Lord used this situation in your life? Oh, gosh. I don't uh, has boosted it, made it stronger for sure. My relationship with him. And that goes to say, that was my question for you. So that's why I always been quiet. Cause my question might've been like in toward the end of topic was my question was, how has this, um, made your personal relationship with God and Jesus? I know because with me going through it all, Oh, I was, I mean, it, it was rough. I mean, I was, there's some cursing. There's some nights that I was down on my knees screaming and yelling and yeah. stuff like that. And through it all, I mean, there were some tough times, but also there were some really, really great times. And that's now, that's when you woke up, that's stuff like that. And it shows me that he is real. He does listen. He cares and stuff like that. So it's, it's made me a lot stronger in my faith for sure. I will answer that. I'll answer that question. It's a great question. I'll answer it at the end. Okay. That's what I figured. Um, Derek, you have any questions? Yes. When, so back to your point of being a very vocal person, when you woke up on the trach and you couldn't physically speak, what was your inner dialogue like? And how were you able to work through that to get to the point where you're at now? Like what was those first times not being able to speak? How are you thinking? What were you thinking? Like he not only speaks with his mouth, he speaks with his hands. Exactly. So yeah. Not, not, yeah, yeah. yeah. You do no, that. not being able to move, not being able to physically speak. But what was your inner dialogue? Like your thoughts being able like through that time? 
that's that's a a fascinating question. Let me let me kind of work backwards. Yeah. Um, so yes, when you have when you're trait, uh, <clears throat> you know, you, air is going in and out of this hole in your neck, so it's you know you don't have air getting to your vocal cords, so you can't you can't talk. Um, you can you can you can mouth words. Um, Jessica got really good at lip reading. Uh, same did. with my mom. My dad was terrible. My dad would come and spend the day with me, and I'd be like, "Dad, I need the bedpan." And he's like, "You need a banana," and and it's like, "No, I I need to use the bathroom. Um, you need a push broom." Um, you know, he, he was to his credit. I, I love my dad. Uh, could not read my lips for nothing. Um, but you don't have air getting to your vocal cords, and so um, again, I was on a ventilator for a long, long time, and I was straked, and so I woke up. Couldn't talk, could mouth words. Um, very difficult um, to get in touch with the nurses. Um, again, not a problem when your family's there, but when your family's not there and you're in the room alone, um, initially it was it was um, I'd have to cluck like a chicken just to try to make noise in the middle of the night. I need to use the bathroom, and I got to try to get in touch with someone. I can't yell out help, you know, or nurse. Um, in fact, I, I, I had an accident, um, and as a result, laid, laid there. Um, I, I'll spare you the details, but um, a good chunk of my rear is missing um, because of it. And it's just uh, the inability to talk, to communicate, um, especially when you, know, you make a living communicating and talking, uh, was, um, was such a challenge and was so frustrating um, you have the ventilator with the trach. They, you know, so the ventilator is breathing for you in, out, uh, inhale, exhale. It's doing the work because your lungs aren't strong enough to do it. They lessen um, the pressure of the vent, you know, as your lungs are, are get, gaining more and more strength um, to the point that you reach a, 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 a point where you're on such low pressure <clears throat> that they feel like, you know, well, let's take the next step. Uh, which is to detach you from the ventilator. You still have the trach, but they put this plastic uh, mask. It's called a trach collar. They put it over your neck, and it's just pumping oxygen uh, into that hole. Um, you, you're you're breathing through. You're breathing through the hole in your neck. You're exhaling through your mouth and your nose. So it's like the first step to gaining some independence from the vent. And the first day I did two hours, and they put you back on the vent. And you know it's a process of gaining strength, etc. But reason I bring it up is that what's cool about the trach collar is that they have this little valve, this device that they can screw into it um, that lets you talk. And so the lady came in and was like, hey, I'm going to put this on you. And I'm freaking out. Like, no, I'm not ready. I don't know what you're doing. And she's like, you'll be able to talk. And I was like, you know, I'm fighting it. And so finally she's just like, well, you can't do anything. can't stop me. <laughs> and so she she screws this little valve it's about the size of a quarter and she screws it right into the trach and she's like talk and i'm like uh what do i say you know it's, it was such a weird thing hmm. so you know i did the only thing i i know how to do i go testing one two three four yeah. testing <laughs> mic check mic check and i started bawling mm. you know Everybody in the room started bawling because uh, that was the first time in months I had heard my own voice or anyone had. Um, and it was me with a little bit of Stephen Hawking, um, but it was <laughs> it was me. And so it was great because then I could face I FaceTimed everybody I could think to FaceTime. Um, you know, just you said to, happy birthday to me on my birthday. I called you on your birthday and said happy birthday mm -hmm. through a, a valve and a hole in my neck. Yep. yep. Um, plan to never do that again, Creighton. Yeah. Say happy not, birthday to no, me? No, not say happy birthday, but do it that way. <laughs> Doing it with a valve. The, the, the few points I want to make about that. Um, so first, to answer your question, the internal dialogue, beyond, beyond just not being able to talk, um, when you're in the hospital, you have a lot of time to think. You have a lot of time that you're just sitting there in your own brain thinking and obviously so much of my initial thoughts are just trying to wrap my brain around what's happened you know and 
questions would come up and, you know, you're just trying to, to process. Uh, and then, you know, in the course of that, you know, my first thoughts were what has happened to me. And then the next thoughts are, you know, Jessica, how are you doing? What's up with the kids? Um, how are they doing in school? Are the boys playing baseball? I, I was supposed to coach little league, you know, this spring and, uh, you know, did Theo get on a team? What's his team's like, you know, you're trying to just play catch up on, on everything. And, and so you're, you're thinking, you're thinking all these different thoughts and you're asking questions to the best of your ability. Uh, again, praise the Lord. Jessica could read my lips. Um, but then you're also just, um, when you don't have a voice, I'll, let me put it this way. And again, it's hard to articulate. Um, they told my dad. So when I woke up, they told my dad to temper the expectations of the family that though, okay, I might make it. There was a good chance that I might be on a, a ventilator for the rest of my life. In fact, they were having conversations about, you know, teaching my wife or my mom how to, how to run a ventilator, um, that they might send me home with a ventilator, um, trait care, you know, that type of thing. Um, but, but one of the doctors told my dad, uh, Zach will never preach again. Um, his lungs are so damaged, um, irreparably damaged that he'll never uh, have the, uh, the physical ability, um, to carry on a conversation for a prolonged period of time, yet alone teach a Bible study. How long we've been going. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And this is the end of the day that I've been, uh, been talking all day, but um, to not have a voice, that little trait collar, they went to throw it away, and I said, "No, no, 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 <laughs> no! I want that." Not only did it cost me five hundred bucks, but um, I paid for it. Uh, but I want to keep it, yeah. and uh, and and when I can put things in my pockets, I plan to carry it around as a reminder um, of the power of a voice, and and that God has given all of us a voice and that our words matter and what we say matter. And it can be a wonderful tool. Like I've used my voice, but then I, I, I knew what it was like to not have it anymore. And when I was able to gain it back, it was like, I'm never taking that simple thing for granted ever again. Mm. Um, and I want my words to matter. Um, before I get to Nick, your question, Creighton, you've got, do you have anything or you guys have any, any other questions? Um, yeah. My question was actually going to be about the fact that you said that you don't remember anything up until March 4th. Cause that's crazy to me. Cause when I spoke to you on my birthday and I think at least one time between then and March, like you seemed all there. Yeah. So when was your birthday? Yeah. What's my your birthday? birthday? So my birthday is February 15th. Okay. And, uh, mm -hmm. you and Jessica called and, um, I think this was before you got the valve because you were mostly just mouthing words. Mm -hmm. And then every now and then you would get, um, you would actually, you would actually speak. You get like a, I'd hear like half of a word. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, and so Jessica was translating because I can't read lips. Um, but you seemed like you seemed all there when we spoke. You were making jokes about making your PT guy uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> yeah. And I became known as the prince <laughs> of the ICU, yeah. um, which is amazing. Yeah. Well, but that yeah. was because I was the only one awake. Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, I... But yeah, so my question was just like, what is, what, cause you said that you're getting summaries back. What does that period of time feel it's like a to fog. you? It's a fog. I remember certain things. I don't remember everything. Things kind of come in, come out. Yeah. Um, I do remember. I remember calling you. Okay. But I don't remember anything before that or after that. I think it was just a, a unique memory that like I got to talk to Creighton mm -hmm. and I hadn't seen Creighton in forever. Mm. Um, yeah. It's something I'll remember the rest of my life. You were basically calling me from the dead. <laughs> yeah. I looked <laughs> like it for sure. By the way, if I looked terrible, I looked really terrible. Um, Ironically, you had more hair when you called me. That's right. <laughs> yeah. He yeah. did. Yeah. Thanks for bringing that up. And <laughs> something I brought up to the doc and he's like, you should grow it back. Should. I was like, you said should doc. You didn't say you will. He goes, I got a, I got a hedge. And I was like, yeah. Although it was funny. I, I went for my monthly checkup. Uh, he walked in. He goes, my goodness, you look so much better than you did a month ago. I'm feeling all good about myself. He goes, paused. He goes, you don't look good. 
You just look a lot better than you did. I said, that's why I can trust you, Doc. Yeah. You're going to tell me the truth. Sounds um, to me like you need to grow your beard out again. Grow my beard mm-hmm. out again. Well, my wife has a lot to say about that. Yes, so she does. Basically all of it right now. I just want to grow a mustache. That's what I'd like to do. Oh, no. Just rock a mustache. A Tom Selleck stash. Mm. <laughs> anyway, the um, no, it's a fog. I mean, it's just a fog. Um, I'm, I'm gaining some memories. In fact, um, I think what helped me, so I was in an ICU room on the third floor. And then towards the end of February, it sprung a leak, the room. Literally, water was pouring out of the ceiling. And uh, so they had to move me up a floor. Uh, I went from the Super 8 to the Ritz-Carlton. Like, the room was awesome. It's huge. <laughs> Big TV. And it was, it was that move. I remember it. But all my memories from the, the fourth floor room, I have. Uh, it's the other room that, you know, I have random memories. Um, in fact, I... I'll gain some. The other night, I actually had a memory. And the next morning, I asked Jess. I was like, hey, did such and such happen? She was like, yeah, absolutely. I was like, oh, I, I remembered that. Hmm. So, again, it's it's like a fog. You know, with a fog, certain things, you know, come by you and, and you, you you see, but you don't have the, the whole. Um, again, just uh, it's it's weird. I don't I don't really know how to explain it. Um, it's, it's all kind of strange. Interesting. Um, other than the fact that I'm. I'm cognitive. I'm good now. I remember everything before this. I remember, um, again, once I kind of come out of the fog, I'm, I'm sharp. So praise the Lord, I don't, I've never been the, the sharpest tool in the shed, but at the same time, um, you know, I, I don't have any, um, any residual m- mental issues. Right. Yeah. You aren't the sharpest tool in the shed, but you <laughs> didn't get any duller. I didn't get any duller <laughs> yeah. for sure. So, uh, praise the Lord. Thank goodness. And again, I mean, what's, what's amazing is, um, is that I will make a full recovery. Mm. Uh, they don't know what in the world my lungs will look like because people with lungs like mine don't, don't make it, you know, aren't around long enough to have a lot of data on. Um, but at the same time, they said, I'd never preach again. Right. Yeah. Um, yet alone do the outlaw Amen. radio show. So, Amen. you know, here we are. Um, so Nick, let me get to your question. Your question uh, why don't you repeat it for the audience, and then we'll close with it. Yeah, my question was, through this whole experience, how has this affected your personal relationship with God, Jesus Christ? I'm going to start thing. I'm going to start with uh, I'm going to break down your question into some parts. <clears throat> how did this situation affect my personal relationship? I'm going to stop there. Um, l- let me say, um, that I love my wife more today than I've ever loved her at any point in my life. Um, my wife is um, a light. She's a lighthouse in the midst of my storm. She's the greatest thing God's ever done for me. Um, her strength and her weakness, uh, God's strength, her resilience, um, her dependency on the Lord. Um, I, I can't imagine, um, not only is she dealing with a husband that might die at any moment, but she's also holding up, holding up, uh, the house together. Uh, she's taking care of three small kids. She's doing carpool. She's coming to the hospital every other day, um, sitting with me. She's paying bills. Uh, she's dealing with hospital bills. Um, how she's been able to do what she's done, I have no idea other than it's a testimony to her dependency on Jesus and the, and, and his power in her life. And um, so... Um, my goodness gracious, what this has done to my marriage and to my love for my wife. Um, she's, she takes care of me. Um, I can't, I can't do anything on my own. And, and, uh, again, I, I, I could go on and on and on and on about my wife. I will also say very similar, um, and profound things about my mom and my dad. Um, I'm not the easiest person to love or the easiest person to thank you for nodding your head, Craig, (laughs) um, to get along with, uh, with my siblings. Uh, this has changed my family. Uh, this has brought my family together. Um, I always knew my family loved me, that my kids, my, my, my siblings love me. But, um, I mean, my sister, um, my sister went all mama bear, um, and was there and was taking care of me. Um, and during the earlier days, um, when I was in the hospital, uh, my brothers um, coming in from out of town all the time. I, again, I, I, I could go on and on and on about about my, my family. Um, and you guys, 
and your love and support. And I know how frustrating it was that you guys couldn't come to the hospital and that all of your labor and love had to be demonstrated in private um, on your knees in prayer. So many people have prayed for me. Um, it's humbling. Um, it's overwhelming. Um, but I'm so eternally grateful um, for, for just all the love and support um, from other churches in our community, uh, reaching out, pastors reaching out and saying, we've been praying for you. Uh, I went on a walk the other day to get some exercise and, uh, and someone stopped me on the sidewalk, pastors of church down the street and said, are you Zach Adams? I said, yes, sir, I am. He introduced himself. He says, our church has been praying for you. And it's so great to see what God has done. And it's just like, that's incredible. So yeah. uh, how this is in effect personal relationships, um, it, it, it has, um, my goodness, I, it's hard. It's hard to put into words. Now, my relationship with the Lord, and we'll close with this. I know uh, we try to keep this show at, at an hour. Uh, give me just a little license to go <laughs> a little long. Uh, you've had the whole year off, so <laughs> um, deal with it. <laughs> you know, the answer to the question of how this has affected my relationship with Jesus um, is still a, a bit unanswered um, because I'm still in the middle of trying to figure, figure it all out. I can say that, you know, I've experienced the miraculous power of Jesus. Um, I was asked, I did an interview from a, the local radio station. And one of the questions was like, why do you think this happened to you? And I said, well, why, why, why not? Like, I can't answer why. And God's never promised to answer why. Um, but we do know who, who allowed it. And, you know, it's one thing, it's one thing to say, you know, Jesus loves me and his thoughts towards me are thoughts of peace and not of evil. He wants to give me a future and a hope. You know, it's, it's one thing to, to believe these things, to say these things, to even know these things. Um, you go through what I went through and, and you, I think for maybe really the first time I've experienced those things. Um, Jesus saved me. You know, he saved my soul years ago when I got on my knees and I, I gave my life to Jesus. And, and, and he did that in spite of me and not because of me. It was his grace. It was not my, my merit. It was his sufficiency and not, and not my own. Um, it was a work that he did on my behalf. Um, and I'll, I'll experience the full repercussions of that when I do breathe my last and awake to glory. Um, what's interesting and what's kind of relevant is, is I've experienced kind of that future blessed hope in a very practical, um, temporary sense because um, I was dead and the Lord stepped in and raised me to life um, in a similar way that he'll do with my soul one day in the future. He did with my body practically on February 3rd and he did it by his grace. Um, nobody saved me in the sense that nobody can save my soul, but Jesus, nobody, nobody could do anything at that point, but Jesus. And that's the, that's the words of the doctors. You know, I was dead and Jesus said, Nope. And he raised me to life. I didn't earn it. How could I, I didn't deserve it. You know, woe is me, a sinful man. Um, but he and his grace. So, so this is something that you understand, you believe. This is something, though, that I kind of experienced. And, um, and I don't fully know the, the entire ramifications of that. Um, For sure. I do sense his love. I sense his providence. At the same time, my arms don't work. I have to be fed. I have to be cleaned. Um, I will say this regarding my personal relationship with Jesus. Um, you know, I always, I wouldn't say pride in a, in a, in a, in a maybe it was wrong, but you know, I, I was always a man with an independence. Um, I was independent. Um, I didn't depend, was not dependent on people. Or, or, you know, I, 
I took a measure of pride in my, my self-sufficiency. And, and this is stripped that, um, I'm not able. In fact, I've, I've, I've never been weaker. I've never been weaker physically, obviously, but I've never been weaker emotionally. I mean, in the hospital, I'm telling you, man, every day I cried about, about something. Um, I would think about my kids. I'd start weeping. I'd think about what happened. I'd start weeping. I'd think about you guys. I'd start weeping. Um, I'd think about the inability to eat and I'd start weeping. Like you name it. I weep. Um, we watch Bambi and Bambi's mom gets shot. I'm, I'm a basket case. Like it doesn't, it didn't like, I just, there was a, a, a sense. I felt, I feel a sensitivity to things, to life that I never felt before. And, and this, this, this weakness that I have to depend. And you know what? For the first time in my life, that's okay. You know, I've, I've come to the point that that's not a bad thing to depend. I told Jess this the other day. I said, you know, I, I have to depend on you for a lot of things that I never had to depend on you before and hope to never depend on you again. Um, you know, wiping your husband's rear end um, is not a glamorous act of love. Um, I, I got to have it done. Um, I have to depend on her. And, and I'm learning that's, I should have always depended on her in other ways. And that depending is not bad. And then you, you carry that over to the Lord and just um, we're called to depend and to rely. And, and you kind of, you kind of get a fresh perspective of that um, when you go through something that brings you to your knees and kind of strips any, any measure of pride. Um, the hospital will, will strip you of pride and decency and, mm. and it'll, it'll bring it, it'll bring it, you're raw. You're fully exposed in more ways than one. Um, but that's okay. And Jesus loves me and he's got a plan and a purpose. So um, anything else? We, we got to wrap it up. How are we feeling? No, that was great. It's awesome to be back and have you back and, you know, keep going from here. Well, listen, we uh, addressed the elephant in the room. Um, we addressed the elephant in the room uh, tonight. Uh <laughs> The Outlaw Radio Show will not be every episode about me um, or about what has happened. Uh, we got that out of the way. Next week, we'll be having a Bible study. Unscripted. Creighton will throw out a topic. We'll rock. We'll roll. Um, fellas, again, thank you for being with me. Always. Um, guys, thank you so much for joining me tonight. Um, pray that God blesses you. And please remember, if you're alive, uh, Jesus has a reason and that there is a purpose um, if you like what you've been listening to, check out our podcast. Our podcast is available. Um, so right now, like I, I would be pressing buttons. Uh, I've got to have somebody do that. Nick, if you can hit the music, uh, the bottom button. Nope, that's the wrong one. All right, nope. there we go. We got the <laughs> right music now. We got all kinds of sounds going on. We got all kinds of things going on. Anyway, thank you so much for being with me. Check out our podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, live stream. This dysfunction, we're going to wrap it up. God bless. See you guys. <laughs>